0: It was 1879. Businessman and coal prospector George Satterley was searching for coal near the Little Sioux River in Cherokee, Iowa, and instead discovered an ancient artesian well with magnetic properties. This led to thousands of people flocking to Cherokee to use the healing properties of the water. And following, there was an entire resort built around the magnetic springs. However, it didn't last long as disaster struck, leaving abandoned and deserted resort. Come with us now as we explore the abandoned area known as the Fountain House. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 8 of Midwest Ghost Town, the Fountain House. This is Dan, I'm your host, your history enthusiast, and your ghost town adventurer and storyteller. One of the cool parts of this channel is that we can steer away from the ghost towns a little bit if and when we come across the historical site or abandoned place that has a story to tell. And, quite frankly, that's the whole point here at Midwest Ghost Town. We want to go beyond just telling you names and places. And if we can uncover a story, and I cross my fingers on this because that's one thing I try and find. I'm not always lucky, and there's definitely research involved with this. And that's what leads us to today's story here in Cherokee, Iowa. I feel a little close to home on this one basically because it was my home for about 18 years, having been born and raised in Cherokee, growing up, playing around the Little Sioux River, running my bike down by what we know as the Trails, down by the old Lincoln Elementary School and Tomahawk Field. And these are all names and places that any local who might be finding themselves listening will recognize. Those last three places, the Trails, Lincoln School, and Tomahawk Field, all fell victim to the constant flooding of the Little Sioux River. And that's really a large part of our story today. The Little Sioux River and the places that sat near it, including the historical Fountain House. They were all victims in one way or another of the flooding and the floodwaters of the Little Sioux. Our story today sends us back to the late 1800s. And like many places around this part of Iowa, coal mining was starting to explode. This all ties into a couple of things. Obviously, people used coal to heat their homes, but the most obvious reason was the railroad. And the railroad was no stranger to Cherokee. The entire existence of Cherokee fell upon the railroad. Every town across the Midwest was plotting and moving, adjusting their layout to be closer to the railroad. If the railroad came through your town, you boomed. If the rail bypassed your town, you disappeared overnight, becoming another ghost town across the prairie but in 1869 39 families put their hope and trust that the railroad would come to Cherokee they put up a general store a newspaper a stable and both an attorney's office and a dentist office and not far behind that was the blacksmith but the town chose the wrong site and the railroad came through about a mile further south. But that did not stop the people. They simply picked up and reconstructed closer to the tracks. When the railroad finally came through, Cherokee boomed. Centered around this little railroad boomtown structure was the need for coal. The trains needed the steady supply, and this is where coal prospecting became ideal in the area. Whomever could find a supply of coal to help fuel the train With profit, and around 1874, coal prospector George Satterley came to town. He was a successful businessman and had his sight on different coal mining ventures. But the Cherokee opportunity looked promising. The story shared that he ran into a vein of coal around the old Fort Cherokee site, and as he was prospecting this vein, He followed it on leased land from local banker N.T. Brewerles of the First National Bank of Cherokee, and he followed it along the west bank of the Little Sioux River. And this is where the story takes off. Satterly began to dig, and around several hundred feet, first breaking through rock and sulfur until he struck water, they knew they had hit an artesian well but it was a reaction of the mineral spring water that caught Satterley's attention. He started to observe that the water was magnetized and quickly reached out to experts to have the water examined. Author Thomas McCullough described it as, the finest and most healthful of any water possibly to be found. As unlike other mineral waters, this has no bad taste, but it gushes up cold and sweet and pure from the caverns of the earth. It is strongly magnetized, and is semi-soft, a pocket knife, pen, or nail is readily magnetized by coming in contact with it for just a few minutes, that this property in the water is highly beneficial to the human system has been proven years ago, especially in cases of rheumatism. And just like that, Cherokee was put on the map. More about the Fountain House after this. Hello, Dan here with Midwest Ghost Town. I am so glad that you're here. Thanks for stopping by and giving a listen or two. We look at ourselves as a community here, and you can find us wherever you download and listen to your podcast, including Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. You can also follow along on our website, MidwestGhostTown.com, or you can contact us through our email, MidwestGhostTown at gmail.com. We love to hear from you, so if you have a question or even if you want to drop by and just say hello, we'd be honored. We have a lot more to the story ahead with Cherokee, Iowa, and the Fountain House, so let's get to it. And like we always say on this channel, let's keep history alive. One of the things that really interested me in this entire story was other stories just like it. Hearing of other places that had lost or hidden springs, magnetized water, and historical stories of huge public gatherings at these places for the health benefits. Some of these places that popped out to me, Magnetic Springs or Cartersburg Springs, Indiana, St. Louis, Michigan, Glenwood, California, Magnetic Springs, Ohio, and Bellbrook, Ohio, to name just a few. Meanwhile, back in Cherokee, Iowa, word spread like wildfire magic water that came up from the earth with magnetic healing properties and records indicate that hundreds of people began to flock to the area wanting baths and water to drink people who had suffered from rheumatism and other diseases claimed the water offered a healing and relief and it didn't take long for Satterley to understand what he had discovered and he was soon charging a mission for access to this water a temporary building was built and healing baths were 25 cents each, more locals began to visit the property and more testimonials began to appear about the water's healing powers, claiming that it was also curing diseases of the bladder, kidneys, liver, diabetes, dyspepsia, and even more chronic illness. Momentum skyrocketed, gathering between 200 to 300 people a day. An article from the Cherokee Chronicle Times reported, Large numbers of Cherokeeans visited the will. Reports said that knives and nails were strongly magnetized by keeping them in the water for 10 minutes. And Professor Marcus P. Hatfield from Chicago called the will the most remarkable thing. It didn't take long for local businessman N.T. Burroughs to recognize opportunity on and around his land and approached Satterley to purchase. Three quarters of his interest, and followed up by immediately platting and annexing the new edition, calling it the Magnetic Edition. Stop and to comment on this a little bit. Even today, you can visit Cherokee and see that some of the streets are named in the area where this edition would have taken shape. You have Fountain Street, Magnetic Avenue, and Park Avenue, and that curves around the area. And i was quite familiar with this area as i grew up on fountain street which was only one city block long if you would walk the street heading east you would come across roosevelt avenue and you would make your way onto magnetic avenue which was across the street and this was the main road leading up to the fountain house i'm gonna make a youtube video with this just to show you more on the area because it's quite interesting especially as you come to the end of magnetic and as you come to the corner of magnetic and park avenue you still can see the concrete pillars of what would have been the entrance to the fountain house and the resort. Walking past these pillars and taking Park Avenue around the area known as the Magnetic Edition, it would be off to your right. Sitting in the corner now is an old historic house. This is the John Ogilvy House, which we'll get more into, and a barn that you can see in its backyard. The barn that you see was constructed and built with some of the old lumber from the torn down Fountain House. So in reality the Fountain House lives on. What's awesome and truly unique and what the community of Cherokee did and is continually developing is a park and trail system around this old site. And they're using paved and unpaved trails. It includes about 2.5 miles of paved trails, 2 miles of new bikeways with a shared road, and then there's about a mile and a half of nature trails and 50 plus acres of natural areas for future development and park space. I love that the town recognizes its history and celebrates the past in this way, keeping history alive. Getting back to the story, after N.T. Burroughs bought into the venture, he began construction on a three-story sanitarium, resort, and spa. And on July 4th, eighteen eighty he officially opened, with thousands in attendance, mind you, and what would be known as the Fountain House. It was a huge structure that remained open for the public, and nearby had a little lake named Magnetic Lake, which was self fed by the water from the spring, and surrounded by shade trees. Near the lake was a complete racing venue with a track, grandstands for the spectators, and conveniently naming it Magnetic Springs Park. Cherokee began to grow in popularity. People began to travel from all over, and as additions to the building were built, the Illinois Central Railroad began offering excursions to Cherokee. And to no surprise, as descriptions in the history describe, the bathhouse was quite the elegant place. As acres of land surrounded the place, and with skilled gardeners sculpting the park and planting the grounds with native and ornamental trees, and shrubbery. The sanitarium was overseen by Dr. Goddard Gee of Chicago who was known for his treatments, successfully treated hundreds of patients at the bathhouse which supplied numerous rooms with over 60 baths for treatments. After Dr. Gee left and headed back to Chicago, the fountain house closed for a few years but it reopened in 1889 and this is when disaster struck. We'll get into the downfall of the Magnetic Springs Park and the Fountain House right after this. Hey there, Midwest Ghost Town community. Do you like history? I hope you do. If so, I'd love to hear from you. You might have an idea or a place for us to research more and include in a future episode. Give me a message at MidwestGhostTown at gmail.com. And the best way to reach me, again, is town at gmail.com. I'll give you a shout out and we can work on something together. Let's keep history alive. And speaking of keeping history alive, let's take a quick peek into next week as we dive back into most of the Midwest states. Next week, we'll be discussing the top five ghost towns in Missouri. Missouri was a state that I was asked to work on a few months ago, and I want to make good on my promise. We'll talk about these five towns that were selected, and I say selected because like every state, there are clearly more than five. But I wanted to shine a light on a few of these. And after we discuss these... I'll work on making a short video as well to follow along with the rest of my top five series. So, Missouri, you're up next. Can't wait to dive into this one as we keep working, researching, telling the story, and keeping history alive. Back to the story here, Cherokee, Iowa. The fountain house in Magnetic Springs Park. All things were buzzing. Traffic was on the increase. People were coming to town, and some were making Cherokee their new home. The town was was on the increase, and Cherokee was becoming a little boom town, all due to a little magnetic spring. But everything was about to come to a sudden halt. After the resort closed for a few years to allow for travel needs for boroughs, and with Dr. Gee heading back to Chicago, the needs of Cherokee were still on the increase, and the demand for essentials for a town's survival, like water, was high. The city started looking for places where they could tap into a water supply for the city and the same year the Fountain House reopened in 1889. The City of Cherokee Waterworks formed and placed a well on the banks of the Little Sioux River but near Magnetic Lake. Unfortunately, both the lake and the new well drew from the same location and depleted the water source causing the water levels to fluctuate but ultimately killing the magnetic springs. Adding insult to injury, the Little Sioux River drove the nail through the coffin as the flood of 1891 caused significant damage to the Fountain House. And five years later, the remaining damaged property was burglarized. Burroughs filed a lawsuit against Cherokee Municipality in 1905, fighting whether the streets within the magnetic addition were public or private, among other things, The case went all the way to the Iowa Supreme Court, where Burroughs won. But later, he lost on an appeal, and by 1915, after the relationship between the town and Burroughs had soured, ended by Burroughs selling the property to George S. Jones. The story of Jones is short, but over the next 13 years, he developed a small dairy taking down some of the buildings before his estate sold 60 acres to John Ogilvy in 1928. Ogilvie used the Fountain House for apartments for a while, but he ended up tearing the building down to use the lumber to build a dairy barn in 1929, which you can still see, and his home in 1933, which, of course, you can still see. By 1934, Magnetic Springs Park and the Fountain House were completely gone, forever. The former Magnetic Lake sits at the pond today, behind the barn, which you can still see. Amazingly enough, my grandparents Lee and artist Krakis used to live on Park Avenue in Cherokee, which is directly across from the old Magnetic Park. I used to listen to them tell stories. They knew John Ogilvie, and they would tell us stories past. where if you took a plane ride, High above the skyline of Cherokee and if you would circle around the southeastern end of the town along the banks of the Little Sioux and if you look straight down into the field surrounding the old magnetic addition you could faintly see the old imprints of the old racetrack and most amazing part that still catches my attention today whenever there would be a hard rain magnetic lake would reappear in the field behind Opalby's home and just beyond his old dairy barn, Magnetic Springs Park. The Fountain House. All stories that are remembered in the stories of Cherokee, Iowa. The stories of hundreds, even thousands, converging on one little space of 60 acres laid out along the Little Sioux River. Some coming for relief, some coming for a cure, but many coming in curiosity and wonder to investigate and discover for themselves the famous magnetic water in Cherokee County, a boom and bust resort and spa, once bustling with activity but leaving its song to be sung in the meadows surrounding Magnetic Pond, leaving its story to be remembered and retold to the future generations of Cherokee, the story of the Fountain House. Let's keep history alive. This is Midwest Ghost Town.